Hello and welcome to the Speaking for Him podcast. My name is Andrew Gomison, and I am privileged as always to be your host. I hope that you will find something to encourage you on this journey that we call the Christian life. God put us in community with each other, and I think that we would do well to embrace that. There is way too much emphasis on individuality these days and just living by yourself and the fact that you don't need others. That is not the life that God gave us. He said it's not good for a man to be alone, so he gave him a partner comparable to him, and that was the woman, and that was the foundation of all human society. And Paul compares the church to a body, and a body needs all of its moving parts. So I am glad that you are here, and I hope that you will find encouragement that will help you through this week. And if you are a first-time listener, please reach out and let me know that you found us and what has encouraged you about this episode. And I hope that you will come back each and every Wednesday to be encouraged once again. I'm super excited that we are two weeks away from our 10th anniversary show, and I just want to continue to encourage you to send feedback for the show. I'd like to have some voicemails to play from people sharing what has encouraged them throughout this decade and uh, any suggestions they might have for future shows are also welcome. But please know that you can reach out in a variety of ways with the contact information that will roll at the end of the show. One thing I wanted to make note of is I have told people off and on that they can leave a two-minute voicemail on my blog by clicking the microphone on the right-hand side, and you can certainly do that. When I was on the SpeakPipe website, which is the company that the voicemail is through, I noticed that they had a new feature where I could set up a individual website for the purpose of my voicemail. So I have done that, and now you can go to speakpipe.com slash speaking for him. That's speakpipe.com slash speaking the number for him. And if you are my friend on Facebook, you can click right on that page, which appears on my profile, and you can leave your voicemail that way. I think that will clear up some of the confusion people have had about that in the past, and I look forward to receiving your feedback. You know, as a content creator, I try to do these shows with my audience in mind, but one of the things that really helps me is to hear from my audience. I know people are listening. I really appreciate watching the listens climb each week because I know that these messages of hope are finding people, and that thrills me to no end. But it would really thrill me to hear feedback directly from you about what it is that has helped you on the Christian journey through this show. So please take the time to do that. As you know, I've been digging into the Speaking for Him scrapbook, and I will be doing that again today. I actually have two clips to share today because several weeks ago, I decided that when I got to 10 weeks before the 10th anniversary, I would share a clip each week. And then I miscalculated and realized that there was only nine weeks to the 10th anniversary So my goal is to share two clips today, and then we will be back on track. And what I've been trying to do is to share with you a clip from basically each year of the podcast. It doesn't always work out exactly that way, but that has been the goal. And today I am revisiting an interview that I did with Linnell Pierce. She was a singer on CBH, Children's Bible Hour, as a kid, and then a prolific singer as an adult. And then she went through a medical issue that 
forced her to end her singing career and start a new phase of life. And she talks about how God guided her through that. And then the other clip I'm going to share is when I made the formal decision to move my podcast home and never return to WJQ for the purpose of podcasting. And that was a huge decision for me because at the beginning of the pandemic, when I was forced to come home with the show, I thought, well, if I can just hold out for a few weeks and get this done each week so that I don't fall behind, then I'll be glad to get back into the studio. But God led me to find the Roadcaster Pro, and so I've been podcasting at home now for uh, two and a half years, and I love it. It gives me a lot more flexibility, and with the technology that I now have, I can basically do everything that I could do in studio, uh, but I have full control, and I'm thankful that God pressed me to learn the skills I needed to do to do that. So all that to say, there's a lot of exciting things happening with Speaking for Him. I cannot wait to see what the next few weeks hold and, Lord willing, the next several years as I continue to reach out to people through this medium. So that leads me to what today is about. Today we will be talking about a movie called A Cowgirl Song, and this is a Netflix original movie, and it had limited theatrical release, and the reason that it popped up on my radar is because I have been a fan and a follower of Darcy Lynn Farmer on Facebook for a while, and for those who don't know, Darcy Lynn was on America's Got Talent about five years ago as a 12-year-old. She was a ventriloquist and a wonderful singer, and she often sang through her ventriloquist dummies, occasionally duetted with them. I would encourage you to look up her videos. They are fun. She's a very talented young lady. And I noticed that she had this movie that she had released in this past year, April to be exact. So I decided to give it a watch. And after watching it, I decided that it was worth sharing here. I know people have had their issues with Netflix, but I'm really excited to be able to share something positive and heartwarming that Netflix produced uh, because, true story, in the early going of the streaming revolution when streaming services started to expand and more and more companies were doing their own streaming services, I started to fear what actually has happened which is that you couldn't just go to one main streaming service and get everything like you used to. For instance, I used to watch Pure Flix movies on Netflix, and I thought that was really neat because I thought, well, if somebody is on Netflix and they're not a believer, but they want a wholesome family movie for their kids, they might stumble on something Pure Flix, and the message could meet them where they're at, and it could be a good thing for them. But then PureFlix and other content creators have decided to do their own uh, streaming services, and it's made it not only difficult to watch the things that you want to watch, but also just difficult for people to stumble upon content like that. So that's been kind of a negative thing. But I'm really excited to see that Netflix has has done a movie like A Cowgirl's Song, and I'm very excited to share it with you on today's episode. So we will get into that in a few moments, but first let's talk about what is going on. 
the first story that I want to share with you today is Nikki Haley catching some heat from the women of The View. Critics are pushing back hard on The View's co-host, Sunny Hostin, for accusing Ambassador Haley of trying to hide her Indian heritage. It began with the panel talking about a potential 2024 White House race. Let's watch. I'd love to see Nikki Haley. To Nikki Chris Haley, the chameleon. I think that Nikki Haley was incredibly effective governor of South name, Carolina. There some, there's some of by. us that can be chameleons and decide not to embrace our ethnicity so that we can pass. Sunny, so I don't that think that's don't fair. You go by a different name. Yeah. Wow, she really is that racially ignorant. And your response? You know, it's not the first time and it won't be the last time that the hosts at The View come after me or that liberals come after me in one, you know, in whatever way. They can't stand the fact that a minority female would be a conservative Republican. You know, when I ran for um, when I ran and won governor, um, a a reporter went to a high ranking African-American Democrat female and said, how do you feel that South Carolina now has their first minority governor? And she said, Nikki Haley's not a minority. She's just a conservative with a tan. So you look at what Sonny Hostins does and, you know, the idea that, no, Sonny is not her name. Nikki is my name. It is on my birth certificate. It is an Indian name. And I embrace my Indian heritage. I have written two books that describe the struggles that my family had, what it was like growing Mm up. But the idea that they can do this, you're not going to see her fired from that show. We're not even going to see an apology from that show because they let liberals say that about conservative Republican minorities all the time. But yet nothing is done. Had this been said about a Democrat, all hell would have broken loose. Uh, You know, just in terms of that 2024, and I pointed out the politics of things that are happening on on every scale right now, whether it's a lawsuit against a former president, we are cooking down 48 days to the midterm elections. And then begins the real talk about 2024. And what will you have to say about it? Well, I think let's see what happens in November. We have to win the House, the Senate, and these 36 governor's races. And then, you know, I've said before, if, you know, once the elections are out of the way, we'll look at the situation. If it looks like there's a place for me, I've never lost a race. (laughs) <laughs> you know, I'll give it a thousand percent and we'll finish it. Um, but I think it's really important we look at, at November. And what I hope Democrats realize, you know, when they look at what happened on The View is it's Democrats that are racist. These liberal extremists are the ones that are racist. They're the ones that won't that think minorities are incapable of going to the DMV to get an ID mm. to vote. They're the ones that are racist that say minority parents are incapable of finding the school for their children. Let's let um, independents, conservative Democrats realize that, no, it's not Republicans that are racist or sexist. It's liberal Democrats that have done this for a long time. And I hope that that really goes to the heart of what happens in the House, Senate and governor's races come November. Well, you know, I've always been grateful when people show you who they are. I, I don't want to think that someone is one thing and then you find out later, no, they they really are the enemy. So there is a favor to be thanked for all of this. I know it, it can be it can be harmful to your feelings, but at the same time, you know exactly where some of these people stand. No, and look, none of this bothers my feelings. I mean, I brush it off my shoulder. You know, well, you if, were at the UN dealing with everything across the table from you. So well, yeah. you know, when they go after something like your name or your looks, they don't have anything mm. else. That shows you're winning. And I I'll take that win all day long. Okay, so just to clarify what is going on here, Nikki Haley 
uh, is an Indian American and meaning India. And she was the governor of North Carolina as well as the ambassador to the United Nations under President Trump. And Sonny Houston or Houston, I'm not sure exactly how to say that, she was calling her out as a denier of her race, as a denier of her ethnicity, that she was a chameleon and could become whatever she needed to become. And the sad part of this is that what a liberal means typically when they say that is if you are someone who is conservative and you're embracing personal responsibility and you're not using your race as an excuse to play the victim card, then you are not actually representing your race well. Now, I realize there's two sides to this coin. The one side of this coin which is the premise upon which most of us have lived our lives, I think, especially on the right people that I know, is that the approach to race is to be colorblind, to not see color in most situations. And by that I don't mean don't appreciate the rich heritage that these people have. I'm not saying that. I think a lot of people get that mistaken. They're like, well... If you're colorblind, that means that you're not appreciating that someone is black or appreciating that they're American Indian or whatever the case may be and appreciating their journey. But that's not exactly what it's saying. And then the flip side of it is that you have to be so tuned into your race that you can't just embrace being an American. And... That is where we're at today. We're in a place where you can't just embrace being an American. If you're white, you have to apologize for being white. If you're black, you can't embrace conservative ideals because that might make you uh, too white. You know, I, I remember hearing that some black people would get upset when somebody is using clear diction and they happen to be black because that means that they're talking white. No, they're just talking in a clear, concise, grammatically correct manner, and there shouldn't be anything wrong with that. So I just want to say of Nikki Haley, she said in this interview, she's never denied her heritage. She's thankful for her heritage, but she also doesn't think every day about being an Indian. She is grateful to be an American and she has served with distinction as both a governor and an ambassador to the United Nations. And I think that for some of these people on the left, if you don't talk about your race or your difference 24-7, then you're denying it. But that would be like somebody saying of me, who doesn't spend every waking moment of this podcast speaking about my disability, that I'm denying that I'm disabled. I'm not denying that I'm disabled. If you follow me on social media or even here on the podcast, I will often make reference to my disability and the challenges that it poses. But I have chosen not to make it the central theme of the podcast because my calling is to encourage the church at large and to focus on the bedrock issues of the family and its importance as a foundational 
structure to society. That's the calling that God placed on my life as a teenager, and it is still burning bright to this day. But it doesn't mean that I have forgotten about my disability. I I literally cannot forget about my disability because I can't even get in my chair or take a shower or do any of those things by myself. Uh, But I refuse to be a victim to my disability, and I refuse to let it define me or slow me down. And I really think that that is the biggest thing we need to do is get away from this idea that if you're using a nickname or you are not talking about your ethnicity 24-7, that you are somehow neglecting your ethnicity. You know, they, they say the same thing about anybody, as Nikki Haley put it, that puts forth a conservative view that is in a minority. The view of the Democrats is that they are the party of minorities and that anybody that doesn't fall in line with them is not a true minority. They call Larry Elder a white supremacist because he espouses conservative values. And the thing that these conservative Republicans would tell you is that they are just living out true common sense. They're not concerned with whether they are being true to their race. They're concerned about whether they're being true to their morals and true to what it means to be a true American. And so I just want to encourage you. It's not about the color of your skin. Does that mean that I don't appreciate the color of your skin? No. Does that mean that I don't want to hear your story? No. But it means that you are valuable not because of the color of your skin, but because you are created by the Lord Jesus. The Bible says that he was there when all of the earth was created, and that includes you. And it says in Acts that we are made from one blood. There's not a bunch of races in God's eyes. There's one race, the human race. And all of the pigmentations of our skin and things of that nature are just divine expressions of God's creativity. Isn't it wonderful that we serve a creative God? Well, as we go into the midterm elections in just a few weeks, there's no more contentious issue than the pro-life issue. You know, there are some election cycles where it totally, basically gets ignored. Obviously, as a pro-life advocate, I check the ballots and check the views of the people that I'm voting for to make sure that they have a belief in the sanctity of human life, but often it gets ignored in the public square or very minimally talked about. Well, this year, that will not be the case. I've been watching Gretchen Whitmer's campaign ads going through on my streaming service, especially Hulu, and she has been really doubling down on the fact that she is running to make sure that she preserves your right to abortion, your right to kill your unborn baby. And that just scares me to no end. I am really surprised that more people are not excited about the life-affirming decision that was made when Roe versus Wade was overturned. Did the justices explicitly want to affirm life? 
not necessarily, but they were just saying that the Constitution does not allow for the courts to decide something that should be decided on a state level, and that would be anything that wasn't precisely delineated in the Constitution, according to the Tenth Amendment. And as Roe versus Wade fell, I really realized the vitriol that people have towards anything to do with life. And I've been really sad by the response of Christians who have actually been acting like the fall of Roe is a bad thing when the creator of life, God, wants life to be sustained. He created life for a purpose. So any way that we can curtail that is something that we as Christians should embrace. Well, as I said, this issue continues to be a hot-button one and a primary one as we are marching to the midterms, and Georgia gubernatorial candidate Stacey Abrams made this clear in a very shocking and surprising way. Well, we begin with something you likely won't believe, but we have the audio to prove it. Stunning comments from far-left gubernatorial candidate Stacey Abrams that may seriously hurt her already struggling campaign. New video just emerged of Abrams speaking about abortion at an event at Morehouse College where she claims fetal heartbeats are, get this, manufactured. There is no such thing as a heartbeat that speaks. It is a manufactured sound designed to convince people that men have the right to take control of a woman's body. Um, well, Great today. We have Dr. Nicole Sapphire. I wasn't aware that there was a conspiratorial plot among the medical industry, among doctors, OBGYNs, medical technicians, nurses, of which you are a part, presumably, because you are a doctor, where heartbeats are manufactured and what we're, we're giving patients audio files of heartbeats when they go into their prenatal appointments. I, this is absurd. It's conspiratorial. And I, I hope we hear Democrats condemn this. Well, I'm waiting to see what's going to happen on social media. I'm waiting for those warning signs for misinformation labeling because this was a flat out lie mm-hmm. and facts matter especially when you're talking to people and especially when you know you're in politics and you're wanting people's votes I mean, unfortunately people are going to believe what she has to say but uh, I'm going to just deliver the truth and point out her law is a complete lie so at about three weeks after gestation or after conception the heart uh, the the cells of the heart the myocardium starts to rhythmically contract so really the heart starts beating at three weeks mm-hmm. yes you can start seeing the heartbeat five to six weeks after conception on the ultrasound but that's only because it's so small and because of all the other structures are in the way with the pelvis. But that heart is contracting very easy. Early on, it is it is not a conspiracy. It is not anything to do with what she's talking about. And I think that she needs to be held accountable for the lies that are coming out of her mouth. Mm. She should be. Um, we also have Mayo Clinic here. And here's what they say. A baby's cardiovascular system begins developing five weeks into pregnancy or three weeks after conception. Exactly <clears throat> what Dr. Sapphire just said. The heart starts to beat shortly afterward. Um, Emily, I went to my first prenatal appointment on April 14th, 2022. It was a Thursday. Husband came with me. My daughter came with me. We saw the ultrasound. I called my husband this morning. I was like, you remember hearing the heartbeat, right? And he said, yeah, I do. And in fact, I remember you remarking, this is stunning how fast this heart is beating. We saw it on the ultrasound. We heard it. The baby's heartbeat, correct me if I'm wrong, Dr. Sapphire, I think it can be like 160 beats per minute. It is very quick. Um, and it wasn't an audio file, Stacey Abrams. It was 
was the heartbeat of the baby that is still within me. That's right. And what my takeaway of your really clear, wonderful explanation just now is that it's medical limitations that prevent us from even really yes. acknowledging or hearing or being aware of that in the beginning, that it's it's not because it's not present. It's because of our technology and the pelvis in the way. So I think that was a, a really um, beautiful lesson that I've just taken away. You're absolutely right. And here's my problem with this whole thing is that this is a gubernatorial candidate. This was, remember, for a moment, a presidential candidate. So she's <laughs> purporting to represent the the ten and a half million people of Georgia, the what almost three hundred and forty million people of America, and this is the extreme view she holds? This dangerous view that's not a view, it's a lie. I mean yeah. it's a it's a straight out lie. It's not backed by anything. Yeah. It, 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 it is scary that you have these candidates who are coming forth and they can just lie to the American people like that. Think about what Stacey Abrams said. She said that the sounds of a heartbeat when you go to an ultrasound are not real, but are in fact pre-installed sounds that were designed by the men who create ultrasound machines to exert control over a woman's body and her right to choose. This is so shocking and yet not so with the world in which we now live. Back in the olden days, and by olden days I mean like pioneer days and before, it was often thought that the first real credence given to a woman's baby as a living thing was the quickening. When, I think, I don't know, between two and four months along, she felt uh, the baby kick for the first time. Now I know some people will say they felt their baby kick before that, but that was kind of a general thought of that's when you know a baby is alive. And I really think that some of that logic might have gone into the original Roe versus Wade decision because we had a lack of technology. But now we have ultrasound technology which proves the life of a baby in utero far before we've ever thought possible and add to that that the age of viability gets younger and younger and we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the unborn baby is in fact a baby. So what we have to do actually is find new ways to rationalize abortion and that's exactly what Stacey Abrams is doing here. She knows what ultrasounds show, she knows what they prove and so she has to come up with something out of thin air to disprove ultrasounds because ultrasounds have been effective in showing people the life of their unborn child. So the only recourse that she has is to discredit them. And this is one of the most bizarre things I've ever heard or seen, but they had to go down this road because there are very few avenues now for people to deny the life of a baby. So they just have to do whatever they can to rationalize it. And it's up to us as the church to show people the value of human life, to support those in crisis pregnancy, and to show them that a culture of life is a culture that we all want. The reality is, in order to keep the human species alive, we need to continue having children, and the... Average family size is going down exponentially every year, and it just amazes me 
the number of either live-in boyfriend and girlfriends or even married people who say they don't want kids or don't want them anytime soon. Or if they do want them, they schedule them so they get their one or two kids on their own timetable instead of embracing children as the blessing that they are. This really is warfare. Satan hates humankind, and he will do anything to destroy it. He's called in John 10 the thief. The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I am come, Jesus says, to give them life and life more abundant. So my hope is that we as the church would embrace life and that we would steer people gently away from ideologies like Stacey Abrams, who is trying to convince a whole generation of women that heartbeats aren't detectable on ultrasounds. May we love God and be his hands and feet to those who so desperately need us at this time. I want to quickly share with you the quote of the day. Now, the quote of the day today comes from the film, and it says, Sometimes bad things just happen. There's no reason why. And this is by the grandmother, Erin Mays. And I think this is a good quote for the framing of the movie because every character, I feel like, is going through some sort of struggle in the film. You have the grandmother who is dealing with the loss of her husband, you have the girls who are trying desperately to get their father out of jail. You have the wife who is struggling with how to react to her husband being in this type of trouble. You have uh, another young singer who is loving singing but doesn't really want to fully embrace life because she is struggling with lupus. Um, you have the, the little girl who is a singer and uh, is very afraid about doing it in public, even though she loves it and it's her passion. So you have all these people uh, struggling with different things, and yet those struggles are what make their life rich, and those struggles actually enhance their life in ways that, they might not realize at first um, because the grandmother realizes that she still has a lot to give when she picks up a guitar and starts singing again for the first time after the grandfather's death. And the there's a gentleman in the movie that takes a liking to the grandmother and throughout the movie the grandmother begins to realize that it's time to move on in that phase of life as well. And even though it's not expressly stated, I think the implicit part is that the gentleman in question is lonely and Aaron helps to fill the void of that loneliness. So in each situation, these people are learning to cope through the struggles and learning that there is strength in being Together, And I think that's definitely a strength for this movie. And 
I think it's just really enjoyable. And I think it's a good lesson for us as well, because we can often go through struggles in life and we wish that we had all the answers because it makes sense to get answers. We don't like being in a situation where we don't have answers. And so, um, we always want them, but we know that in certain situations we will never know how, how things happen. And we just have to trust that God has our best in mind. I, I think of, you know, being disabled and learning to cope with what that means or learning to cope with the death of my brother. Neither of those scenarios make sense from a human standpoint about why they would happen. But each of them have their own hidden blessings. I think during the time that my brother John was alive, uh, we really learned to prioritize family and have fun with our family. We made memories that we'll never forget. And as I have learned to navigate my disability, I've learned that the scriptures teaches me that there is power in weakness through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I just think that's very encouraging, and I hope it encourages you today. Today I am reviewing the film A Cowgirl Song, and this film is just a really cute family film, and so I'm excited to dig into it with you. It stars Cheryl Ladd in the lead role as a retired country singer, and she actually does quite a bit of singing in the film, which is kind of neat to see, to see how multi-talented she is. It also stars uh, Savannah Lee May, Darcy Lynn Farmer, um, Rachel Cannon, and Maggie McClure, among others. But this was a very well-cast film, and as I said, it's just a wholesome film that you can put on with your family and not have any fear about the content in general. And I will dig in further to that with you, but before I do that, I want to share with you the trailer for the 2022 movie, A Cowgirl Song. One thing was for sure, my life was about to be thrown off its course. But what are the charges? Transporting stolen goods across state lines. I told you to stay away from those guys. Well, where are they keeping you? Bail's been set at fifty thousand dollars. I want you to know I'm not guilty of anything that they said I've done. We believe you, Daddy. Hi, Grandma. Where have you two been? We just came from seeing Daddy. They said it'll cost fifty thousand dollars to get him out of jail. I know. Holding on to dreams so tight. Are you interested in becoming a successful singer songwriter? It's my passion. Then I'd like to represent you. Haley Mays is in the building. Hi. I'm sorry, I can't. Why do I want to be a singer like you when I can't even sing in front of 20 people? You get the hang of it. It just takes practice and experience. I'm going to come out of retirement and we're going to raise money for Dean's Bail with a concert. Yes! Well, that's all right, Mama. That's all right for you. That's all right. That's all right. That's all right now, Mama. I'm so proud 
to be singing tonight with my granddaughter, Miss Haley Mays. And there's the trailer for a cowgirl song. As I said, it's a really heartwarming film. I think the first thing I'm going to say is that it has a great soundtrack. I really enjoyed all the music. I've always been a country music fan. And to hear the the music uh, that was in this film, it was just, for the most part, peppy and just made me feel good watching it. Um, As I get into the synopsis, I want to start out by saying... It's kind of interesting that in the beginning of the film, she talks about being Haley because she was named after Haley's Comet and that Haley's Comet for billions of years, I think she said, has been doing its cycle of appearing on Earth every 75 years. And so she makes this comment about billions of years and then as the film goes on, you see them praying and asking God for his help in raising the money for her dad, and they really seem to be a a faith-filled family. And so it just seems to be a contradiction right out of the gate that she would talk about uh, something that happened billions of years ago by chance, and then they would incorporate God into it. So that's the first thing that I noticed that's a little inconsistent. Um, the synopsis is basically that her father, um, or their father, there's two little girls, uh, played by Darcy Lynn and Savannah May, and these two little girls, their father uh, goes to jail for transporting stolen goods across state lines. Now, one of the things I'll mention here is that they do a horrible job of exposition in this movie, and so that's probably one of the weaker points is that they don't really give you any information of how he got caught up in this. You know, you don't, you never really hear about what is his main job or maybe he lost a job and that's why he was doing this job because he wanted to raise money for his family. You don't really hear that. So in the beginning of the film, she, his wife gets a call from him that he's in jail and that they're saying that he needs to post $50,000 bail. Now, the interesting thing about this is that they never mention anything about him even getting a public defender lawyer, which you would always get if you can't afford a lawyer. It's in the Miranda rights that you would get a court-appointed lawyer if you can't afford to have your own representation. So that was never mentioned. The other thing that's interesting is that with most bails, to my understanding, you actually put up 10% of the bail as far as cash or bond goes, and then you may have to put up collateral proving that you can afford the rest of it 
but you don't generally have to put up $50,000 up front. And the premise of this movie seemed to be that you needed to have $50,000 in order to bail him out. So to continue on in the synopsis, the girls want to go visit their dad. He's 40 miles away. Their mom says that she can't take them because she has to work maybe this weekend or next weekend. Well, the girls decide they don't want to wait, so they actually take a horse and a wagon and start going towards their dad at this particular jail 40 miles away. Well, they kind of get lost, and then they end up stopping overnight, sleeping under the stars in sleeping bags. How cowboy and western is that? Very much so. And then they end up going to see their dad, and so they visit him, and then their grandma ends up only being about five minutes away, which, again, there's no mention of their grandma, um, really about where she lives and all of that stuff in the beginning of the film. They just mention after they see their dad that her grandma is five minutes away, and that's where they want to go, and so they go and see their grandmother. And their grandmother tells them that their mom has been worried about them, that she's been looking for them. And um, so then their mom comes to talk to them, and then she says that they can stay with their grandma while she tries to work, I believe, extra hours, I think in hopes of raising money for the family because their dad's in jail. But they don't really, again, detail that. And the grandma says they can stay here because it's summer and there's no school, so that's what they do. And then through the course of the film, you meet certain characters like Rufus, who is a young guy who says that he's 19 years old. He wants to be a music promoter. He uh, hears um, Haley singing on the guitar. Um, I believe it's at a homeless shelter where um, her grandmother volunteers. And he's like, you're really good. I want to represent you. He even draws up a contract and gets her an initial gig. And so it's very interesting the way that comes together. And there will be uh, an interesting further plot point about him later on. Again, there's not a lot delineated about him. And you don't really get any background for why he is the way he is. And then... You have uh, Haley meet this other girl who happens to be a singer-songwriter, and she is struggling with lupus. So I think this is another struggle point for this movie, is that there's a lot of storylines. So it's an enjoyable movie, but from a purely storytelling perspective, they could have done so much more by limiting the storylines and really emphasizing the ones that they kept because I just feel like there was way too many storylines, because there was the storyline about Rufus and the storyline about uh, the young lady that was struggling from lupus, um, played by Maggie McClure. She was an awesome actress in the role and was a, ended up being a big help to the girls. And I, I really liked the way the movie came forward, because you had her struggle... Um, with Lucas, I believe her character's name was Maddie. Um, so you had her struggle with Lupus, which was another subplot that was underdeveloped. 
Um, and then you had the the mom's struggle with her husband where he gets collared for this crime, but the grandma says he's innocent until proven guilty. The The mom kind of acts like she struggled with this type of thing with the dad before, but again, no details are given, so that kind of makes it a little difficult. But the strengths of this film are, again, the importance of family. You see the grandma helping the daughters come up with a way to raise the money, which is to do a charity concert. And you see this manager who used to work for her grandmother um, working with them for the concert. And so it was just really neat how they came together and there was definitely a small town community feel to the fundraiser. And then you, you see certain things go wrong, which I won't talk about that kind of derail these plans to raise money for the, the dad and his case. And I guess the, the other thing I would mention is just talking about the fact that they mention evolution, as I said before, and then they mention prayer indicating that at least the grandmother had a really close relationship with God. And then they mention gambling and they kind of justify gambling as a way to get the money back because the money ends up getting gambled away and then they gamble again to get it back. So that was odd in the midst of this positive family like film that, that is being portrayed. Um, but I did like the characters. I liked the, the, uh, medic who actually has a thing for Maddie And I found out through my research of the film that they are actually a married couple in real life, which is probably why uh, they were put in these roles together in this film. He's not the strongest author, but he is a talented musician. And their group, The Imaginaries, provided a lot of the music for the film in conjunction with the two girls in the show who are both very good singers. And so you you see all these things uh, going on and they kind of diverge because one person's gambling problem leads to problems for the rest of the group and their goal to raise money for the dad. And then there's also an underdeveloped plot of the fact that the grandfather died um, and the the younger granddaughter played by Darcy Lynn thinks it's her fault because they were going, I believe to a, to a barrel racing practice. And she said that she didn't really feel like going that day, but she didn't make her grandfather turn around and she feels guilty. Um, but it was really for her, it was about pushing forward beyond that. And really for all of them, it was about, uh, pushing forward, beyond their circumstances and doing their best with them. So I think the the biggest lesson is probably the strength of family and community uh, because their family and community were there for them when they needed them. 
there's also a sub lesson about the power of forgiveness. Um, because as I said, uh, the grandma encouraged the, the wife to believe in her husband and not just assume that he was guilty. And then Rufus had to be forgiven um, because of some of the, the foolish things that he did. You know, it's it's kind of interesting because I used to talk about the characters that I most liked and disliked, and I haven't done that for a while. Uh, but I think today I will. The character that I most liked was probably Maddie, um, and she was the the girl that was also a singer-songwriter, but she was allowing Lupus to hold her back from her dreams instead of embracing life. And at the end, she begins to embrace life a little bit more. I really liked her, and the actress um, is just very uh, vivacious, and I really in, enjoy her as a character. My least favorite was Rufus, uh, because even though there was forgiveness in his storyline, it, it just felt like he was very slow to learn lessons. And I guess there's some realism to that, but also it was really hard to like him even later in the film as his lessons were learned. I guess at the end he was kind of fully redeemed, but he was just not a very likable character from the get go. And it wasn't really the direction that I thought his character was going to go, but I really uh, liked this film. I think they genuinely had fun putting this movie together. So it's always fun when you can sense the fun that other people are having with a project. I know for myself in theater, I only try out for shows that I believe in because I know that that passion will show forth in my performance. And I really feel like the people that were in this show believed in the project. And I think that really carried forth. One of the surprising things about this movie is there's actually a tie in to a movie that I reviewed a while back called Walk, Ride, Rodeo. And that was the story of Amberly Snyder. And she got in a car accident and she was thrown from the vehicle and was paralyzed. And so the, the, the story was all about her um, recovery and learning that not only could she recover from her accident and learn to live life in a wheelchair, but that the wheelchair didn't have to stop her from barrel racing, didn't have to stop her from living a quality life. And she actually is featured in this movie as herself, as a barrel racer, and she's an encouragement to Darcy's character because Darcy's character is dealing with the fallout from an accident herself and she learns to overcome her fears and get back on the horse and start barrel racing again. So there's really a theme about pushing forward through difficulties and about family being there for one another, and that makes this a worthwhile watch. And as I said, the music is very well done. So I think you'll enjoy that. I think it's just a feel-good um, movie to watch with your family, and as the weather cools off outside and we're looking for more and more things to do inside. This is just one choice that you can make to watch with your family. 
and it is available on Netflix with a subscription and it's available on a few other places if you want to rent it. So I would encourage you to check out this film. I give it three and a half out of five stars for some of the reasons that I mentioned. And I hope that you will take the time to enjoy it with your family. Before we go, I want to share with you a couple clips from the Speaking For Him scrapbook. The first one, as I said, is an interview that I did with Linnell Pierce. And this clip is actually the section where she's talking about how she had to transition from being a professional singer for, I believe, 50 years, definitely 50 years from a childhood singer to a professional singer and beyond. But from 50 years as a singer to the next phase of life and what God taught her through that. Again, the hand of God had me to the right doctor in Chicago, and he knew within 30 seconds what I had. And he said to me, he said, uh, um, I can help you. There, there's no cure because it's a neurological problem. Um, I have a, I have a um, procedure that I can give you and you can have it every three months and it will, it will keep you. And then he said, either talking or singing. What do you want to do? Talk or sing? And that was when I realized that my singing and talking are on two different mechanisms. And, um, I said, well, of course I want to talk. And so he gave me my first treatment there in Chicago, and the treatment took probably less than 30 seconds. And he said, I'm sorry to tell you, but your 52-year singing career is now over. It was that quick. I didn't even have a chance to go home and sing. I bowed on my knees one more time or something. I, it was over. And... And, um, you know, Andrew, I got to tell you, because I respect you so much and the way you love the Lord and you live your life for the Lord. And and I'm a firm believer that everybody has something and something that the Lord uses to keep us humble before him, to keep us clinging to him. And I didn't realize how much I depended or thought I needed my voice to be to be who I was. I thought my identity had to be my singing voice. And I think the Lord had to show me, no, Linnell, it's not your singing voice. It's your heart. It's not having all the mechanisms of your body working perfectly. It's your heart and what's coming out of your heart. And so my singing voice was done. And how the Lord, and I knew I had a choice. I had a choice to take this and 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 it's not a complicated choice. The Lord isn't complicated. He gives you one of two choices. You're going to go down in self pity and 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 feel sorry for yourself and and blow everything that He can possibly do through you, despite. Or you can say, "Okay, Lord, I'm available. I'm still available to Your service, and however You want to use me." And that was that was the choice I knew I had to make. And and in all honesty, I've never shed a tear from the from that day to even though singing was my life, and in 30 seconds it was over, um, and I couldn't have my farewell year like many singers do it was done and I never have shed a tear because with all my heart I either had to believe that God was able to still use me or that he really 
didn't do what he promised, and I knew that wasn't true. And so I clung to the fact that he had something else for me, and boy, have I seen that to be true. And I think you can hear in the background of this clip as she's talking how my emotions got the better of me just listening to that story and listening to this sweet lady who has meant a lot to me talk about how God took away one of the most important things uh, that he ever gave her, which was her singing talent. But he also, in its place, gave her a ministry of Bible study that she does in a few different local churches on a regular basis. And she's still shining for the Lord and she's still making a difference. If you want to hear the rest of the interview, I would definitely encourage you to do so. And you can find that on my website. Um, if you go to the sermons tab, you can see the links to my sermons and my podcasts. If you just type in 345 in the search bar and click go, it will bring up episode number 345, which is Experiencing Jesus with Linnell Pierce. And I would really encourage you to avail yourself of that. This next clip I want to share with you is just my announcement. You know, about a year and a half or a little bit more ago, when I decided that I was going to stay home with the podcast. And God has certainly blessed as a result of that. All right. Well, by way of a life update, I just wanted to let you know, I had mentioned on the last week's podcast that I had made a decision to step away from the studios of uh, WJQ in, in Zeeland, Michigan. And I had made that known here on the podcast. Um, I emailed both uh, Brad Lanzer, the owner, and uh, Tommy, uh, the morning show host and program director, and got really nice notes back from them uh, expressing their excitement for me and uh, their gratitude uh, for our partnership. And so I was very encouraged by that and just very excited about things going forward with the podcast. So it's just encouraging for me to look back at those podcast episodes and see where we've been and to get excited about where we are going. Again, please share your feedback on things that you would like to hear in the 10th anniversary show, uh, which is just two weeks away, and we would be glad to share it. Also, it's just interesting to see how I've grown as a broadcaster since that last clip. Obviously, that clip is fuzzier than some of the other more recent podcasts have been. And so you can really tell that I'm growing as a broadcaster and I'm thankful to God for allowing me to do that. One final thing before I say goodbye, and that is as we approach these midterm elections, one important pressing thing that is going on in the state of Michigan is that proposal three is on the ballot. We need to be aware that Proposal 3 is being framed as a woman's rights bill or ballot initiative. And women are being told that it will restore the rights that were stripped from them by Roe. The situation is 
that there is a 1931 law on the books in Michigan, which the liberal judges and our state's attorney general are saying that they will not enforce. But they also want to make sure that they don't get forced to do so by any level of the court. And so their response is to come up with Proposal 3, which, as I said, they're framing as a safety issue and saying that it will restore the rights that Roe took, but it will also do more because it strips Michigan of its parental consent law and of its coercion law, two things that have been key to making Michigan the life-affirming state that it is. So please do your own research, but I would urge you to vote no on Proposal 3 as we come on to the midterm elections. With that being said, I will simply say have a great week and keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at speakingforhim. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review.